Welcome to Junior L's and Now What, interlude episode 30.5, ultimate episode 70. So just a couple of uh, things that have gone on recently. Uh, we got a game called Nerds, for those of you who don't know what it is. Um, it's kind of like a game of solitaire meets speed that you play with other people all at once. Um, it's very fast-paced, very fun, potentially very frustrating. Um, the, the game itself we got, I got it off of Amazon, and uh, basically it's like 12 decks of cars that are identical except for the, the backs are slightly different colors, because that's how you count the scores at the end of the game. Super fun. Um, we've got a new version of Munchkins. I've mentioned that game before. Uh, this one's Munchkins Oz. We did something a little different this time because we got two versions of basically the same game, uh, one by the original artists, and then they occasionally do guest artists, and we got those as well. So we've played a little bit of it so far. Um, it's, it's equally fun as with all the other Munchkins games. Um, it's a slightly different theme, but other than that, it's a pretty, pretty enjoyable game. Um, I had mentioned before with uh, some of the Munchkins games, occasionally uh, there's a couple of cards that are potentially visually not so appropriate, and uh, this version is probably singularly the cleanest version we've ever got before, so I'm just putting that out there in case you're wondering. Um, the, uh, the books um, that I, I mentioned, some of the chapters from before called What If, uh, I can't remember the name of the, art, the author off the top of my head, but... Uh, he comes up with just some funny things like, you know, what if you threw a baseball at near the speed of light, what would happen? Uh, it's some fun and enjoyable things like that. He has another book called How To uh, that I recently got, and so I'm very excited to read through that and share some of those chapters, too. That one's fun. Or at least what little I've read of it is fun. Anyway, um, let's see. There's, uh, as I mentioned before, as a family, we've been watching Star Trek Voyager, and uh, that's been enjoyable, actually, and um, I'm very excited to continue down it. Uh, there was a very interesting episode where uh, one of the uh, characters uh, had an opportunity to uh, get pregnant and have a baby and so on and so forth. And I don't remember the exact name of the episode. Uh, it's in season two. That's about all I can remember for sure. But it's got a very uh, interesting and, albeit refreshing, uh, outlook on all of that. So that was, uh, that was rather enjoyable to watch, um, especially in the world that we live in today. Other than that, uh, the only other thing before we dive into the cars is uh, scripture that uh, we've done in some of our studies recently that I wanted to read. This one's a little bit longer, so bear with me. This is in Alma chapter 33, and this is verse 3 through 9. And so I'll read it relatively rapidly because the last verse is, is the most important for it for this context, but you need the whole thing to really get it. So here it goes. Do you remember to have read what Zenos the prophet of old has said concerning prayer or worship? For he said, Thou art merciful, O God, for thou hast heard my prayer even when I was in the wilderness. Yea, thou wast merciful when I prayed concerning those who were mine enemies, and thou didst turn them from me. Yea, O God, and thou wast merciful unto me when I did cry unto thee in my field, when I did cry unto thee in my prayer, and thou didst hear me. And again, O God, when I did turn to my house, thou didst hear me in my prayer. And when I did turn unto my closet, O Lord, and prayed unto thee, thou didst hear me. Yea, thou art merciful unto thy children when they cry unto thee, to be heard of thee and not of men, and thou wilt hear them. 
Yea, O God, thou hast been merciful unto me and heard my cries in the midst of thy congregations. That last verse really sang to me because as I read it, there's a lot of different locations that are mentioned in those passages about where we should and or can pray. And in the very end where he talks about in the midst of thy congregations, it makes me think of crowds. And I'm very socially claustrophobic. I don't like being around a lot of people. And uh, I, I have lots of, um, uh, you know, I don't like being touched, that kind of stuff. And, you know, human contact, which is interesting because I absolutely love going to the cons. But even then I have to step away from the crowds for a moment. Having said all of that, um, I have found that in those situations, especially when my anxiety gets peaked, those are the most important times for me to say a prayer. And so those, those passages really sang to me because, you know, we have a prophet who's saying, you know, these are all the various different places that I've prayed and I was heard in every single one of them. And so, you know, I, I always try to find a private place to, you know, fall on my knees, especially when things are really bad. But I will tell you, that the most strong answers I received to prayers, especially right in the midst of saying one or the very end of one, are typically not in those peaceful places. Um, now, granted, those other prayers have probably led to those answers, but it's usually in the kind of the chaotic moments where it's just like, I feel like I have to pray right now. And so I do, even if it's just in my heart, you know, like when you're in the road, you can't close your eyes. So you can't really follow all the same basic protocol for a prayer. But nonetheless, were heard and they get answered. So wanted to share that. Uh, I think it's important for us to all remember, you know, the old passage says, pray always, but uh, our knees would break if we were on our knees praying all the time. All right. So transitioning from that to the continuation of the cars discussion. So this would be cars seven, eight, and nine in the list thus far. Um, item seven. So shortly after my wife and I got married, uh, we bought our first car together. And this was actually the first new car either one of us had really ever owned. Um, this was a uh, 2000, I, I want to say it was a 2003 Toyota Corolla. It didn't really have much in the way of bells and whistles or any of that kind of stuff. It was certainly the first car I'd ever owned, and I'm pretty sure my wife had ever owned, that had the little security button thing where you press it on your little keychain, little fob, and it locks the car and unlocks the car, which is super exciting. Um, you know, it didn't have a lot of power, uh, got phenomenally good gas mileage, and we drove on a, a bit of a road trip on a vacation, just the two of us, and we were sporting around 43 miles to the gallon. Uh, so it was uh, it was a really, really good car. A couple of pieces of advice for you. Number one, remember to change the oil, because heavens to Betsy, I am absolutely horrible about that. As I get older, I'm getting better, but um, that was what led to the downfall of that car. And then word of what a uh, piece of advice for the second one is after we paid off the car, so one of the first cars we'd ever really paid off, um, the engine started having problems and uh, we didn't know what to do. And so we ended up um, trading the car in for the vehicle I'll mention last in this list today uh, for this particular episode. Um, huge, gigantic mistake, but I will say extremely valuable learning lesson. But what I found out later is uh, because we paid off the car, we could have taken the title into a bank and gotten a title loan and turned around and used that to uh, finance getting the engine fixed, which would have required a replacement of the engine. So um, lots of things that were learned during this particular course of action. So, uh, yeah, um, it was a very interesting car. Lots of lessons learned and uh, a lot of, you know, I say regrets. But, um, you know, past is the past, and, and we live and learn. During that same time frame, 
uh, we had moved houses and we had made a bit of equity off of the selling of our one home. So we tried to buy a second car because at this point we were down to one car. So we, we'd gotten rid of my Mazda truck that I mentioned earlier. Uh, we'd eventually sold my wife's Neon. And so we were left with just the Corolla. So we bought ourselves a uh, Toyota pickup, uh, very similar to the one that I learned to drive on that was my dad's. Uh, we only kept that for a very short period of time. Um, part of it was because the car had some issues, uh, which is sad to say because most of those Toyota pickups are usually phenomenal. But it had some issues. Um, I'm guessing the person who owned it before us was similar to me and my previous cars, just didn't take as good a care of it as they should have. And it just didn't hold up. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes we make some silly financial decisions when we think we can do something. Perhaps just because we can doesn't mean we should. Um, and this was one of those situations should have held off buying the vehicle uh, for a little bit longer until we had settled into our home and our new financial expense situation for a period of time. It's another story for another time. Um, now, on to the really juicy one. Uh, we then, because of what was going on with our Toyota Corolla, traded that in for a vehicle This that I lovingly refer to as the POS. And I mean that in every literal meaning of that acronym. Um, it was a, uh, I believe it was a 2006 PT Cruiser. And it was one of those situations where we were kind of desperate uh, we needed to get rid of the Corolla, or so we thought at the time. Um, we went to the first place that we basically saw. We were driving down one of the main drags in our town. Um, and uh, I will tell you that I have a great deal of very impressive animosity towards this particular company. Um, needless to say, we took it into what was called low book sales. Um, this was definitely where I learned to really, truly have a, an incredible amount of um, hesitation behind trusting salesmen after what went down here. But basically, we took our car in and said, hey, we've got a car that has engine troubles, and uh, we're concerned about it, but we kind of want to get out from underneath it. We own it outright, and so what, what can we do? And they said, well, here's the two different cars you can pick from. And uh, this was one of those, the devil you know versus the devil you don't, the one car that was the option we didn't go with because I'd heard bad things about it. We went with the car we didn't know anything about I just remember that when the PT Cruiser first came out, everyone thought it was going to be the cat's meow. So I hope that meant it was a good car. Gigantic mistake. The first bad sign was when I told the guy that there was something wrong with the engine. So he turned on the car, listened to it for a moment, turned it off. He says, well, I don't hear anything. And that to me was a certain sense of dishonesty. That was just bad. Uh, and it went downhill from there. Uh, this horrible car uh, didn't have cruise control. Seriously. Who makes a car that doesn't have cruise control since like the 1960s or, you know, whenever cruise control was really brought out? For um, heaven's sakes, my 77 Silverado had cruise control. So uh, come on, man. Um, no cruise control, handled terrible in the weather. It had a little four-banger engine. You'd think it would get gas mile, good gas mileage. No, I don't know if it was just too heavy or what, but yeah, um, all the way around, it was just really, really, really evil of a car. Uh, within three weeks of owning the car, there was a sound coming out of the engine. Ironic, I know. So I took it down to the, uh, the main dealership, and they said, oh, there's something wrong with one of the belts. We'll fix it. It's, it's all under on us. And I was like, okay, well, that's great. One week after they, quote-unquote, fixed it, the same problem came back. I took it in six times. Now, yes, this was foolish on me. Uh, I should have just demanded my old car back or compensation accordingly, but... Uh, I kept thinking, oh, you know what, well, we'll get this fixed and it'll be fine. 
Um, it's been a while now, but I, I think that within the first two years of owning that car, we took it into the shop at least 12 times. Um, so it was a massive, massive learning experience. Uh, all things said and done, when we eventually got rid of the car, uh, we, we traded it in with a person that I trusted uh, at a dealership that we had been working with. And I'll talk about that when I get to my later cars. But when we traded in the car, I did everything I could to make that car worth giving to this guy because I really wanted to be honest by him. And he just looked at me and he says, you don't need to tell me anything about this car. I don't care what you've done to the car. I will tell you, we're going to have a really hard time getting rid of this. But because you're a value customer, we'll take it. He was honest. Um, but uh, yeah, PT Cruisers, don't, don't, don't. And with an emphasis, don't. And if you've ever had one and you've had fantastic love with it, then you are a very blessed and lucky human being because don't. That's all I've got to say about it is don't. Um, did I say don't already? Yeah, don't. Just don't. Um, okay, so that's the end of this uh, string of, of cars and this interlude episode. Uh, as a concluding remark, I don't have bad, ha bad handwriting. I'm just using my own font. I thought that was very clever, so I wanted to share that at the end of this. Thank you for listening. Have a spectacular weekend and week or whenever you're listening to this. Smile. Be happy. Remember that you're worth it. And remember that no matter how bad things may seem or how good things may seem, it is still worth it. Thanks for listening.